Look out. Surging up from the depths of the sea. Horrifying, mysterious creatures whose attack on people sends the whole countryside on an endless search. Unless something is done and done quickly. Is this the end of our civilization? You'll pioneer with us the perilous descent into the unknown. What does that mean? What are you even talking about? A deep, penetrating dive. In the last calm and reflective moment before the monsters came. Humanoids from the deep dive. Welcome to the podcast Humanoids from the Deep Dive, where we dig deep into the meanings and context of your favorite monsters and monster movies. Each episode, we'll see guests, co-hosts, and myself give our take on an important movie monster and or film, and what we think it means using everything from history and philosophy to films and folklore. Today, we are talking about a very particular variant of modern legends. Uh, we're going to talk about creepypastas, and particularly the most infamous of all time, Slenderman. Uh, we'll, we'll probably also take a, a few, you know, little tributaries here and there to uh, different favorite creepypastas. There are so many good ones, but uh, we look forward to navigating the darker corners of the internet with you fine folks. And fans of the show can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. Or also follow us on Twitter at HFT Deep Dive. I'm your host, Jeff Ewing. I'm a critic and entertainment journalist for Forbes, Looper, Slashfilm, on everything genre. Uh, I am, I'm doing an after show right now on, on Severance uh, through the Hollywood Critics Association. You can find that on. Uh, you can find Severance on Apple TV and you can find us at the HCA stuff. And uh, if it's Monsters, I'm obsessed with it and have probably done like eight things on it or more uh, so thanks for stopping by to to chat beasties with me and i'm so pleased to introduce our excellent co-host for today's episode uh we have mike vaughn mike say hi to the people hi people what's up and uh we have the illustrious andre couture uh andre say hi to the monsters hello monsters and uh mom hi <laughs> uh let's see c- c- covered humans monsters and andre's mom all bases perfect um <laughs> every demographic for th- is our target demographic folks at home <laughs> um so yeah yeah welcome everyone thank you for joining today's episode um, i think like creepy pastas are so interesting to me because uh in, in, you know, we, we live in the, the, the modern, quote-unquote, modern world. Everyone is so, you know, we have access to knowledge at our fingertips, literally 24-7. Uh, we could be bored at 4 a.m. and find out, you know, the origins of, like, an MMR vaccine and uh, what happened to the nose on the Sphinx and why the color blue looks the way it does. You know, we, we can do, literally find anything. And so... There's so so many rich folklores uh, over the thousands of years of human history that have every sort of beast and creature imaginable, and the official stance of the show is maybe they're all true. You never know. Um, <laughs> surely be interesting if they were, but you know we we have such like a sort in many ways sanitized modern world that the sort of folkloric stories that fill, you know, like the, the Norse sagas and, uh, 
uh, all, all you know the 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 Vedas of of Hindu literature and all these other you know deep rich canonical literary traditions. We don't really have that in the same way, at least not in the U.S. You know, um, we have movies, and recently we have people on the internet just like telling campfire stories in this format that emerged uh, referred to as creepypastas, and it interests the hell out of me. Yeah, it, it, I mean, there's something really interesting about um, creepypastas as just sort of like an updated, um, like, crypto urban legend. Um, yeah, it, absolutely. So I guess it's interesting because um, the uh, term was actually coined on 4chan. Um, they speculate it was around 2006, 2007. Mm-hmm. And then it, I guess, um, really came into its own in 2008. So I didn't realize that creepypastas was, was was that old of a thing. Yeah, it's kind of uh, weird because, I mean, ever since you've had message boards, you'd have people sharing stories and... Um, you know, narratives that may or may not be true and creepy things that have happened to them. And, you know, I mean, that's old, you know, but, uh, and then they congealed into this, this sort of specific creepypasta phenomenon that produced all these interesting characters and stuff. And it is a little bit older than it feels like it is. And so Slender Man as a, as a conceptual entity, um, Slenderman, and we'll get into this, uh, emerged not much later than he's like one of the earlier popular creepypasta figures who who first appeared in 2009. So that's older than I thought, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's really fascinating. But I mean, um, Slenderman definitely is the like hands down the most famous mm-hmm. the subject. Yeah. Yeah, and and there were some other ones. I mean, there's some other popular early ones, and we can we can get into that if we if any of us have other favorites. But Slenderman's easily the one that's had the most adaptations, and also the one that if you ask someone if they've heard of any creepypasta, they're like, I don't know. And then if you're like, Have you heard of Slenderman? They're like, Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Like my yeah, dad's heard of Slenderman. Like the body positive Slenderman, where it's like. A little more robust man, maybe. <laughs> robust man's um, great. Curves man, curves man. Yeah, curves and swerves. Because real creepypastas have curves. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that is the tagline for the new Slender Man. <laughs> it's like new, like what happened is like um another uh, common uh early creepypasta is Jeff the Killer. Totally different Jeff from myself, but we're all in the Jeff Collective together. Um, or what uh, if it's not? What if you are Jeff the Killer? You know what? I don't know if you have eyelids or not. Like, I can't confirm this, and I've met you. That's true. And I do also, and this is very suspicious, have a great smile. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's it's funny to me though, because you know maybe like Jeff the Killer pulls Slender Man aside because I assume they all like know each other. Um, all these little creatures, creatures and beasties. Um, and it's just like, you know, Slendy, 
he calls him Slendy because they're close. He's like, Slendy, you know, you, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to, you know, avoid food and the other pleasures of life. We like you exactly how you are. You can, you can just be yourself a little bit and not feel so much pressure. And then Slenderman takes that to heart. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Hey, listen, if you're slender and that's your type, more power to you. Yeah, exactly. You know, just don't feel you have to be, you know, that's, that's the issue. Um, so I, I mean, Slenderman is such an interesting, um, entity though, because, uh, you know, it was, uh, created in 2009 as just like a, um, photo contest, mm-hmm. um, where, um, I guess he was like edited in, into a photo and then it just sort of like spread as its own sort of urban legend. Yeah. And then what we know is like creepy pastas, um, so I always thought that was really interesting. Like I, um, I know I don't know if y'all played that game, the Slenderman video game. I have not. No. Uh, I heard it's like really good. I've seen like some gameplay of it, and it looked like it looks legit creepy as fuck. That's cool. I haven't checked it out. I, I usually don't play games that have svelte characters. <laughs> I've seen some videos of people playing them, and. I decided for myself that I am just not able to physically play this because yeah. like every single time I turn around and like Slender Man is behind me, I'm just going to flail and lose the game every single time. <laughs> well, like, so I'd rather just watch. <laughs> yeah, like the, game, like the gameplay I've seen, it's like you're in the woods and you're like looking for, I guess, clues or something, but he's like always around near you. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. Like the here here's a safety tip for the folks at home. Um uh if if you're in a location where everywhere you go there's someone in a business suit, leave. You are not safe. That is not okay. <laughs> um, you know, you might think like this is a conference or this is like, you know, uh uh we're at a meeting at my my locale of of employment and there's suits everywhere man just take the take the stairs take the exit down get to get to safe ground yeah um i mean it's like yeah you think you're working and there's you know people in business suits but really it's just they're just slender men seriously ever tell me a time where you have run into someone in a business suit and it wasn't a bad plan uh, well, I, think that's important, I mean, but it's probably not for um, broadcast. But you can find that on our Patreon, folks. I've had some good situations with um, suited gentlemen. Oh shit! <laughs> um, okay, just j- just so everyone knows, um, uh, I so so here are our roles on this show. Um, uh, so, so Mike is our show's sex appeal. Um, every show needs some. Um, Andre is, uh, our, our brains and the maestro that puts all these shows together with his mind powers, no less. Um, uh, Luna 
protects our monstrous endeavor from all of the creatures of the afterlife over whom she has ultimate power. And I um, just, you know, kind of cool. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm the keeper of oh our God. mystical and bestiary knowledge uh, with which we can either summon or fight the creatures of the void. Um, so we all have a really excellent role here. <laughs> and for the record, Mike, your sex appeal is powerful, so don't feel like we are shortchanging you. Oh, no, uh, listen, I'm happy to wear that heavy crown of... <laughs> Um, the sex appeal of the show. Yeah, look, I'm just saying that, like, because you have to be prepared for every eventuality, folks at home. Uh, you have to have, uh, you know, someone that can provoke. You know, it's like Pokemon, a creature encounter. Uh, someone that can fight it off if it starts to go awry. You know, or and then sometimes the only thing you can do is seduce the thing, and. And that works with Zeus every time. Like, can you beat Zeus in a fight? No. Can you be like, hey, Zeus, sup? And literally it would work with any one of you. Um. Oh, see, now I, I, I wish Luna was here. Um, <laughs> I mean, always, but like... Every time Luna's not here, I'm all just like, damn it. Um... <laughs> I think she wasn't here for our glory hole conversation. She wasn't. I don't know if if <laughs> I don't know if she is like a, a a mediating force that keeps our shit together, or I don't know what it is. I feel like the respectability just like whew, down the drain. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it would be like... fair that she's just not acknowledging that whole situation, which which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> understandable um now just to pivot a little bit has anyone seen i think i think the answer was no but did anyone see like that really awful slender man movie no no i haven't it's on my list of things that i will watch that i know are not very good but i'm going to watch anyway yep Uh uh-huh uh but i haven't gotten to that yet i have that list too (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, my watch list is just of good stuff. It's so long. I'm like, well, I'll get to that when I... I don't know if I'm ever sick. And I'm never sick, so... Sucks to be you, Slenderman movie. Yeah. And these masks working. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, it, it's... it's I, I mean, I think just the consensus is it doesn't really add anything interesting to, like, the mythos. Because I guess there is somewhat of, like, a... Um, story or sort of um mythology of its own but they just throw that all out um, yeah the window um i i think it's uh you know the 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 thing that's sad about the slenderman mythos the slenderman is like the most widely known creepypasta but none of the slenderman adaptations and maybe there's one that i haven't seen maybe that game's really good so maybe i'm wrong um but because I haven't seen everything, uh, but but it's kind of ironic that the best creepy pasta on screen adaptation is not a Slenderman story, which would be Channel Zero, um, yeah. 
Like that show adapts a different story every season and it's uh, generally really good. Yeah. And so the thing is like for each season, they adapt a different creepypasta. Right. Um, But I I haven't read a lot of creepypastas, but it, it seems like they take that story of a creepypasta and they kind of turn that into like that season's, uh, log line. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. So like from there they get to like make their own little, you know, detours and filling in some extra things that you know, yeah. it's not exactly the story. Cause if they just did the story, it would be a very, very short, um, series of episodes. Yeah. It'd be like a short film basically. Yeah. And even then like maybe 30 minutes. Um, and I think that, Slenderman on his own. Um, there's really not a lot there. It's really just mm-hmm. the character and yeah. like his mysterious needs and like just the fact that he shows up um, out of nowhere. I mean, you can go the HP Lovecraft angle. Uh, you can go um, hallucination or, you know, something where someone isn't, trusted and they say that this is happening and it might just be them right but it could be um a whole number of things but it doesn't really encompass a full like story it's kind of just just how urban legends are like um there's no story around bloody mary you know when you say it three times in the mirror um it's just something that occupies this space this um space in your brain that just freaks you out when you try to do something yeah think about something no exactly because like i I think it's interesting is that you know and this is something um that that a lot of scholars and that like uh uh, writers have, have have discussed often is that as a species we're a storytelling animal you know um that's why uh that's why they're, you know, the history of civilization is basically like coextensive with the history of us creating these narratives and trying to explain the world through story and evolving those things into, you know, uh, religious beliefs that, you know, may or may not be true or have truth to them or, or fears of like, you know, these folkloric entities and, um, cryptids and yokai and all these you know folk tales that we have passed over the generations and you know narrative is so integral to who we are as a species that it makes sense that you know you're going to have these tales that go viral because someone comes up with a thing that's very malleable that can kind of like you know, worm its way into our psyches, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think, um, I think, oh, what were you going to say? I, I had a point for like Slender Man and like why some things have caught on, but I, I think I can weave that in later. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll make sure we don't forget it. Um, okay. I just wanted to mention um, before we kind of move forward uh, a little too specifically on Slenderman, um, there there are some general traits 
among the different creepy pastas that that have developed and become popular and i kind of wanted to visit that first because it kind of is useful to inform our discussion of slenderman i think so creepypasta is this term for these this series of of all all by different people and developed by different people in different places horror fiction stories uh kind of have floated around the internet and the name is this like uh combination of creepy and the internet slang term copypasta uh, copy pasta refers to you know, text that's uh, commonly copied and pasted throughout the internet. Um, copy pasta, copy paste. Very clever. Very clever internet peoples. Um, and then they they put creepy at the front of it. Um, so, you know, uh, it refers to, to a range of stories, but it's basically any little... Um, it's a type of story that we would, in, in pre-internet eras, call, you know, just an urban legend that gets just passed along and passed along and passed along, usually over the internet. Uh, and, and they have some common traits. They will often have uh, no disclaimer from the authors that, that, that identify the text as fiction. Um, so basically they're always written as though these encounters are certainly true experiences from someone. Um, they're usually uh, told in a first person perspective. So, especially in text-based stuff, so it, it's always written as though I had this experience, this thing happened to me, is is the way that it's narrated. Um, they'll contain creepy, surreal, mind-bending imagery, um, often involve the, the, the transformation, the transfiguration of something from wholesome and normal to perverse. So it'll be like um, a lost episode of a children's program that when you experience it, it has like dark undertones or an amusement park that is something wrong or a video game that'll um, make you go insane or pull you in or or haunt you or blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of things that can go awry. Um, And then they'll also have this because, you know, stories on the internet are notoriously thin. You know, it's it's the Internet. It's, it's small snippets of text. It's not war and peace. They'll often have this, a lot of unspoken, you know, implicit something's weird in the background and the shadows, fear of the unknown vibe going on, you know? So it's kind of ripe for um, kind of brief narratives that share some commonality with cosmic horror stories, you know, where like something is violating the laws of the world as we know it. Um, you'll have like a, a, a house full of corridors with no end. Uh, we know that's not possible, but it is. Uh, or, or a creature that uh, appears in like the Slender Man in, in old photographs, which shouldn't be there. Or something that appears only in your peripheral vision that disappears when you're looking directly at it. You know, it's it, all these different sort of almost cosmic horror-esque characteristics that I'm um, are really open to interpretation and world building. I think that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it, it's um, it's really interesting. Also, um, so there's a whole sort of um, subgroup on YouTube of um, like well, they'll have like really talented like voice um, actors like reading these stories. Um, Mm-hmm. And it's actually really fun to just sort of put those on and, like, 
like, you know, do it late at night. And, I mean, it's almost sort of like a modern, like, um, something you would do over the uh, sleepover, except you would just put this on and everybody would listen. I mean, it's almost equivalent to, um, like, a modern radio show. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's like, it, it's like... Now, there's some exceptions, like there's some YouTube channels where they'll like throw in some visuals to make it really cool, but usually it's just like black background with reading or maybe like reading and, and um, text. Sure, um, yeah. So I think that's kind of fascinating where, you know, now it's almost like a full circle of like um, doing like a dramatic radio broadcast, but like on YouTube. Um <laughs> So I always kind of like how that's sort of like a um, making some like taking an old concept like that and putting like a modern, interesting twist on it. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, just goes to show that like, we'll, you know, like our our innate storytelling is so adaptable. Um, I don't know. I just think that the the. the I lost my train of thought, but I think Slenderman is cool. That's the story. <laughs> my, yeah. I have not had enough coffee for fucking time changes. Yeah, I think what's really fascinating about uh, Slenderman, though, is, y you know, you um, were so right about saying that, like, yeah, there's not much to him, but, like, that's kind of also the beauty of it. You can sort of make your own kind of um, story. I, that's why it, it's... It, it's so frustrating why the movie was so bad because you could literally do anything with that character. Mm -hmm. um, like he's so malleable that I think that you could really take it anywhere. Um, I feel like your the limitations would obviously be like budget, but I don't know. I mean, I still feel like you could do like a really creepy, stripped down like um, Slender Man. I mean, like like I said, the game uh, from like from the gameplay that I've seen is like creepy as fuck. Cause you're just like in a forest and like, it was very much like Blair witch, but I mean, it's like so creepy because it's like, he's basically anywhere and everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, I don't know. Um, I, I feel like that's the thing with these malleable stories because, they have just enough information to provoke your imagination, but they typically have enough, you know, answers unexplained so that they're very malleable stories. So I think you're right. I think that you could do like a real clean blank slate, creepy narrative with it. I don't think that you can really sl strip down Slenderman though, because him wearing the suits kind of part of it. <laughs> just just saying Hi he doesn't really leave much to the imagination under there i mean <laughs> exactly basically like a faceless uh mr fantastic just with a just a suit and a tie from space well, like yeah exactly russian nesting doll situation where it's just littler slenderman under there <laughs> that would be cool you know um I would actually like to see something like that where it's almost like a Hydra situation where like maybe they find a way to like cut off one of his limbs, but like a, like 
a smaller Slenderman grows from that limb. Yeah, I feel like it's just like little Slenderman and like suits all the way down. <laughs> like I think I think it's like uh, yeah, exactly like a Hydra head. You know, like it's just you know, or or maybe like you you if you cut him in half or something, he like is becomes two smaller slender people and then eventually like a slender boy and then slender baby and a little (laughs) like a bunch of like a nursery full of little slender babies in little tiny suits just like a a floating like real life sized baby but with like very long and like undulating limbs just like wrapping around trees chasing you Exactly. You know, that's that would be pretty cool. I'd like to see that. Oh yeah, exactly. I dare you. Um, that would be the best Boss Baby sequel <laughs> in the world. <laughs> you know yeah, exactly. You know what? Um, screw this whole like navigating the ba- the business world as a baby. That's boring. We need this like hardened pro- suit wearing baby professional to have to take on an evil suit wearing baby. Um, that's haunting our nation's forests. That's universal at us. We have a sequel pitch for you. <laughs> Working title: <laughs> Slender Boss Baby. <laughs> I like it, and of course, we can put in some body positivity at the end there. Like, really, just hungry makes him cranky. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> all it really is. He's looking for his uh for his goldfish. Where, where do they go? <laughs> oh man, I love this so much. Um, so, we are <laughs> so apparently there was some. I'm just looking this up, and there was a um, 2015 movie um, called Always Watching, um, a Marble Hornet story where it's about Slender Man and um, Doug Jones uh, plays mm-hmm. uh, Slender Man. That is like, the perfect casting. Yeah. I feel like if a casting director doesn't at least try and get Doug Jones, then they they're bad at their job and should be fired. Just yeah, just in like every case. Uh, Literally, like I feel like he should play me. Like I'd be like, hey, would you like to just be me today? Because I want me to be cooler, and you are cool. Um, a plus to Doug Jones. Um. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. Like I said, that there's not more. Um, now, also, this, you know, is a um, character that is, I guess, you have to get clearance for because um, he is something that, I guess, was created by somebody else. So I don't know if maybe, like, that's why there's not a lot of um, media with him in it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. But, um, yeah, it's kind of a shame that what we've gotten so far hasn't been. Now, I haven't seen the... I haven't seen the like the the um the Doug Jones movie, but the fact that I've never really heard about it before probably tells you something. Um, yeah. Um, well, yeah. okay. So, I, I oh. haven't heard great things about it, but it, it is based on a web series, uh, w- which is on YouTube somewhere, I think, uh, called Marble Hornets, and I okay. don't, I haven't seen it, so I don't know uh, how it goes about portraying a slender man or yeah. how it leads into the movie or even if it does um but it it looks at least uh as intriguing as um like approaching this unknown um 
up to a point um, creepypasta that you're about to read, but knowing that it's a fiction um, kind of lessens the impact a little bit. Yeah. I, yeah. Cause I feel like the, the, the mystery is, is an essential part of it in this case, you know, um, and having it have those gaps and be a type of campfire tale, you know, like, uh, same type of story as, as, you know, the Candyman story, not, not the films, but like if you're in that world and the, the yeah. urban legend of the Candyman that you have to just kind of tell and whispers, um, I feel, I feel like that's an essential part of it and its impact. Um, I think it's, uh, okay. So let's dig a little bit into the, the actual origins of Slender Man, which, which I'm going to make a film about under my, my knockoff. Um, the thin forest man is going to be, um, he's in, he's in a suit, but it's a bow tie. It's just a coincidence. And um, please come see my movie. <laughs> um, uh, he's going to do some science because bow tie is the official tie of doing science. Um, it would be hilarious for there to, to be some sort of like very close knockoff Slender Man. <laughs> there should be. Yeah. I feel like why wouldn't there be? Um like a dollar store action figure version of Slenderman. Yeah, like um Stretch Man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Slender Armstrong. Um I want to do I want here here's my movie. Here's my movie pitch. Uh it's literally just um uh two hours of a very gaunt, otherworldly tall figure in a suit using a peloton that's why he's so thin because i want to explain this um yeah exactly and then he dies so um (laughs) you've killed the beast peloton and they'll be like you can't just keep making pelotons kill people that's not okay and i'll be like you're the hero it was a creature it was a menace to children and they'll be like, okay, here's a hundred million dollars. That's what's going to happen. Um, okay. So, um, oh, uh, yes. One really cool. Well, really, one really interesting thing is some, I was reading about the, um, copyright situation with Slender Man. Sure. Since we were just talking about like, maybe that's why, um, there really hasn't been a lot of, um, media like recently with him in it and apparently um the company that i guess owned um the media rights the slender man was sold and the company split up in uh, 2019 and it says leaving the ownership of the characters right in question so um that actually kind of makes sense why um we haven't seen like another attempt at a movie or like yeah um so yeah, I also feel like because um, there were there were some other projects that were going to um, be greenlit, but just when they're about to make them, uh, that real life tragedy happened, and then they they pulled some projects that were going to be a thing, and I th- I think that made it kind of untouchable for a bit. Yeah, I mean it's. Um... And we'll talk a little bit about that more with the documentary that I want to get into. But like, um, 
Yeah, uh, I mean, it's kind of unfortunate because, again, um, well, so that um, sort of real-life um, Slender Man situation, which we'll get into, uh, yeah. was 2016, and I guess the movie was 2018. So yeah, it's like you said, they did sort of like put that on pause for a little while. But um, Yeah, because that shocked a lot of people. Yeah, it was it was really crazy. Um but I think it's more just like now they're like the rights are a little dicey. Um and unfortunately you see that a lot, like um if there's something that's not on like home video that you think should be odds are it's probably a copyright um situation that's keeping it from you know, being like out in the uh, in the um, consciousness, so yeah. Unfortunately, it seems like that's what's going on with Slenderman. So um, we'll just need like a really awesome knockoff, like you were. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm, I'm gonna do my best, folks. Um, uh, so okay, so Slenderman as as an actual specific creepypasta figure um, emerged initially in June of 2009. So there was this Photoshop contest on the something awful forums uh, that, you know, they're, they're trying to get um, ordinary photographs turned into creepy images. And then that could be passed off as real photographs. So it was, it was a challenge, right? Um, so all these like weird pseudo paranormal creations were coming out. And then um, on June 10th, this uh, user Victor Surge, who's that was cute. Uh, his his account, his real name's uh, Eric Knudsen, uh, posted two black and white photographs of unnamed children with a short description of Slenderman as this mysterious creature thing that stalked children. Um, and they were accompanied by pseudo historical captions. Like there's one quote. One of the two recovered photographs from the Sterling City Library blaze, notable for being taken the day which 14 children vanished and what is referred to as the Slender Man, and for what is returned to, referred to as the Slender Man. Deformed, uh, deformities cited as filmed effects by officials. Fire at library occurred one week later. Actual photograph confiscated as evidence. 1986, photographer Mary Thomas. Missing since June 13th, 1986. So, like, they're written to have this... Um, air of mystery they're citing official things official documentations uh june 11th continued to improve upon the myth by adding another picture and a fake doctor's account and then it started with other uh, something awful um people would would make um you know start start putting slender man in other tragedy photos um and and their own little stories, that sort of thing. And you can actually, I think, find the original thread somewhere if you if you really want to. But that kind of created the 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 beastie and started creating you know this pattern mythos as you can see, where it's um, a predator of children. It's mysterious. There's these official counts, but everyone involved kind of disappears, um, and it kind of they're all written to have this real life air of mystery about them. Um, yeah. There's something interesting. I think about um, the, the whole visage of Slender man and the creator of it, essentially mm -hmm. the creator, uh, especially with his, um, his handle 
or something awful, which is uh, Victor Surge, which is kind of like uh, a slight um, variation on the comic book character name Victor Sage, which uh, DC comic readers will know is uh, known as the question. And the question is like a mystery solving, uh, almost kind of like Batman Rorschach esque uh, character. Like he dons a trench coat, like a a fedora kind of thing, and he mm-hmm. wears like a mask that covers his face, but it, it just leaves it like a blank, flesh colored mask. Sometimes there's a like question mark on it, mm. uh, but like he's he's sort of like an antihero. Um, in the same vein as like your, you know, Ayn Rand character. Um, and th- there's something about the anonymity of, I think both the, um, posting a, uh, a fabricated urban legend behind, um, and anonymizing, um, name on the internet that calls back to, an anonymous entity uh, filtered through someone who has some sort of connection to like the, the the anonymity that we've all um, come to understand fully, especially with uh, this barrage of uh, uh, comic book movies that constantly address this. And um, it it says a lot saying that um, this, mysterious un like no faced entity that has some some sort of uh draw to like abducting or terrorizing children um just as something just to give it something to do um i think also feeds into the the main draw for creepypastas or or even like these urban legend stories where um it's presented as fact and mm-hmm. that gives it another um, it's like a view through the prism that kind of um, it crystallizes something into uh, a, something a little bit more closer to real life. Um, mm-hmm. But there's really something about that, that filter of anonymity that I think really resonates and makes things uh, a little bit scarier. I think you're, you're, totally right um because this notion that it's an experience that both has been had and could be had by anyone Mm -hmm. i think really sets it apart because you know you'll have you'll have a lot of uh take like modern american folklore you'll have like cryptid accounts and encounters right like your mothmans your bigfoots whatever and you know, there'll, there'll be accounts from people that swear up and down that they had them, that these things are real, even though they're controversial. Uh, but all of those accounts are so regionally specific, you know, um, yeah. that it still has an element of it's over there a bit. Uh, but the best creepypasta stories are between the way that they're sort of written and the way the account is kind of told how this mysterious, like otherworldly spatially decontextualized element where it's kind of written like a good cosmic horror story where literally it's the fabric of reality and anyone can have it. Yeah. Like the, the fact that it's in your backyard now 
means it could have easily been in someone else's backyard if like the planet had been turning the other direction or if it came in you know like if you're thinking color out of space you know as a as a yeah as an example like that meteor could have showed up in a different place had it um landed on on or in the earth you know like 10 minutes later yeah exactly exactly it's just like a, a an artifact of accident that it's not screwing up your life right now and i think that's really powerful um yeah and i think there's something also to be said about like the stranger danger aspects that really mm-hmm. get sort of yeah. um like very palpable as as far as like something that is like um inherently very like scary and creepy because um i mean basically children are like the most vulnerable um mm-hmm. um yeah i mean it's kind of why like you know, Stephen King stories resonate so much is, you know, he has this amazing way to sort of boil down and, and synthesize what it's like being a child and having everything be so scary and uncertain. And um, I think that, you know, Slenderman definitely taps into that. Like, I mean, you know, the, the very first like photos um, that were created for that, um, website was uh you know him with children so i mean that's yeah something that is um you know very much um like a primal kind of oh shit that's not good um yep. so. yeah it's interesting you brought up stranger danger too because the um those original well the original photoshopped photos uh place it in 1986 which i'm pretty sure was going on at the time like the uh, it's five o'clock to you know where your kids are mm, um yeah. the stranger danger um mnemonic device for parents and um just the the, the beware of like you know don't let strange people talk to your kids you know, don't let them, don't give them candy or right. you know don't keep them away from unmarked vans uh, keep kids away from anyone in a business suit keep them away yep. from sewer clowns oh yep um no absolutely i i think you're both so spot on with this because uh on the you, you know you have this it could happen to you it could happen to anyone vibe that's sort of spatially ambiguous you have the stranger danger danger aspect where you can look back on the old photos and they're still unsettling to watch you know like a playground like a black and white pra- playground photo with this like unnatural figure lurking in the in the shadows you know like that's a pervasively unsettling image and concept and then you you add to it there's also a um a subtle body horror-esque aspect to it because the dimensions of the character are um close enough to a human visage to be you know, registered by our brain as something we should be able to identify, but wrong, which is where body horror often gets uh, so hauntingly effectual because, you know, it, it takes figures and situations that should be safe, that should be identifiable and just like messes with our brains in frightening ways on a really instinctual level, you know, like that thing is 
so close to something that shouldn't be wrong and it's really really wrong um that that combination of factors is all it's slender in a particular among um the early creepypasta figures really i think we're hitting at why it became so popular because it's this lovely little intersection of all these danger signals that are hardwired into our brain <laughs> yeah and I, I think it does something interesting where it, it combines that body horror element of um a very non-human like visual approximation that's is mm -hmm. more unsettling the longer you look at it mm -hmm. um, but also combining that it can happen to anyone almost nightmare logic that i think it's pulling a lot from um, a nightmare in Elm Street's Freddy Krueger, where um, it's terrifying little kids. Uh, adults know about it, or at least some adults yeah. know about it, or more adults know about it than uh, most would let on to. Um, and it's beyond that, it's not really known what exactly Slenderman wants, other than like just to abduct children like mm -hmm. like is it uh does he eat them does he like convert them into energy does he need a spaceship to get back home and he just needs to burn kids for fuel i don't know <laughs> exactly it's all mystery anyway. exactly <laughs> um do, does he feed off the ability to tell bedtime stories we'll never know yeah or if, if he just feeds on fear i mean children are like so full of that you know <laughs> among other things. Yeah. Whether well, active imaginations. Exactly. Well, yep. or like, you know, if you're in your thirties and you constantly have a sense of dread and fear, um, <laughs> then you went to grad school. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's really interesting because, um, there's also, I think something to be said about why his face is blank. And again, I, I love that aspect because, it is such you know you can literally project like anything onto it and you know you can't really you know like we are programmed to like read um faces um like happy or sad or whatever but like when it's blank it, it's so much more unsettling because you don't know what's going on there um yeah and i think that was like a really like smart sort of aspect of slender man um and it also is kind of like this really interesting sort of like, you know, he's dressed like, um, he always reminded me a little bit of the tall man from Phantasm. Totally. I mean, one, there's, yeah. there's, yeah, like they, they both have very similar, like weirdly tall, gaunt visages. They have similar names. Tall man's also often wearing like a, a type of suit. Um, and, tall man's like an extra dimensional entity in wearing the skin of a man, which is kind of the weird vibe you get from slender man. Yeah. It's like a, it's like his sort of grotesque, like this is what human people wear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I too am humans. <laughs> also like Andre's like, he uses children as like fuel. Now I'm just thinking, I know this is like so messed up, but like I was thinking like, you know, like the old timey where you're like shoveling coal 
into a furnace or something, but it's just like children. <laughs> you know, I love that. I would love that. <laughs> just like whistling while he works. Do, 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 do. <laughs> just make it like a steamboat Willie short. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, that would be really cool. <laughs> um, and see, again, Luna could be here talking about dead children. Well, if we say dead children two more times, she's going to appear on the show. Yes. Yeah. She's going to be like, uh, "What? hey, what? how am I here? And we'll be like, we, we, we know how to conjure you. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's why it's so powerful. Um but the unfortunate thing, though, is that its cultural impact produced a re- very real-world tragedy. Um, and we've been kind of dancing around that question. But, but Mike, uh, you've, you've seen the, the documentary. We can all talk about it. But, but um, uh, tell us about the doc. Yeah. So um, it is unfortunately uh, based on a real-life incident. Um, the movie's called Beware the Slender Man. And uh, it was... I believe um, produced for HBO. Um, I'm looking that up right now. Sorry. But um, yeah, it, it's um, really fascinating. So the, 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 the documentary is based on these two girls that they were like really obsessed with Slender Man and they were very much sort of um, caught up in the whole like creepypasta um, like lore of like reading about it and like obsessing about it. So they concocted this this thing where um, they got it into their minds that they wanted to, um, you know, kill their friend and have it be like a sort of like a sacrifice to Slender Man so they could like join him in his castle or like realm or whatever. Um, and so they um, lured... So you know, it was like their friend's um, birthday party and they had, um, I guess, like they had the party, they did like a sleepover thing. And then the, and the next day they like took her out to the woods and sort of like lured her out in the middle of nowhere and stabbed her a bunch. Um, thankfully, um, the victim did survive. And um, of course they were, like caught immediately um but the documentary is really fascinating because it sort of um you know as a primer it tells you sort of um like a little bit about slender man its creation um creepy pastas and mm-hmm. it's um you know sort of um societal um like ramifications and how stories like this spread, which is really fascinating. But then again, um, but then on the other hand, it it is very much like a true crime documentary. And what's fascinating is it has a lot of interviews with, um, I think primarily one of the perpetrators they got to um, like talk to, or at least they got to like uh, record some like phone conversations, um, which there I, I don't believe that there's like a lot of um like recent interviews with either girl um so that was kind of fascinating and they mm. also talked to like the um family members um of like the one perpetrator um to get their sort of angle and it was kind of fascinating because um 
I believe the one girl was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Okay. And, um, like, it was something that her dad had. Um, mm. So, uh, I mean, it, it was really fascinating. It certainly is, like, a very heavy watch. Um, I mean, it's good to know that that, you know, the victim did survive and everything, but having said that is it's you know very grim but i i found it really fascinating like i've seen it like three times and i highly recommend it um it's on hbo cool. max okay. um and yeah it's it's really really um fascinating but also very disturbing yeah yeah i feel like that sort of stuff is, is so um it's obviously so tragic and it's really tragic that these um, sorts of stories become fuel essentially for someone that was struggling with some really serious conditions. And I'm so glad their victim survived. Uh, but it kind of speaks to both the power and the danger of, of these types of stories in the sense that, uh, they're blank slate, uh, energy i guess you could say is fuel for someone whose brain is looking for stuff to be fuel yeah and what's kind of i mean and this is something that the documentary touches on but it's kind of fascinating how like these two girls almost became part mm -hmm. of that creepypasta like they you know like the reality actually sort of bled back into the um fictional sort of realm so it was like a weird circular kind of thing where like, um, so I'm sure everybody kind of knows what DeviantArt is, but um, it's a really popular art site. And, uh, you know, uh, they were talking about like, they were showing a bunch of like um, photos at the end of like artwork that people made of the girls with Slenderman. And, you know, again, how... Um, this sort of fed back into the sort of mythology um in kind of a weird way um i know that's um a really kind of weird thing to um i mean it's not like i don't i mean you could say it's like maybe like a weird form of like of idolization or something but it's mm. kind of interesting how like the story kind of had roots in creepypasta and then the real life events eventually sort of um ended up almost like as a you know footnote in the creepypasta itself um yeah it's, so. it's almost like they served as uh pictographs for like the continuing chapters or something like yeah. in their own uh like in their mind that they're continuing some kind of canon for for this character yeah it was like really weird like they i mean again they talk about this in the documentary but they're like i guess there was some like some like lore that that like if you gave him a sacrifice or something that you could like enter this realm where um like this like mansion that slender man and other creepypasta characters lived and like they would actually be able to like join them and it, it, yeah it's, it's a lot <laughs> but 
Uh, I mean, again, it, it's so fascinating, though. I mean, if you can get kind of past the, like, how horrible it is, it's, um, uh, I mean, I don't think it's any, like, rougher than any other, like, true crime thing. Like, they don't really, sh I mean, they don't, like, show any of the crime scene, thankfully. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, it's um, pretty horrific. And, and, like, they have the interrogation videos of the two girls, and... Um, yeah, it's really bizarre. Um, but again, you know, if you kind of are into um, true crime, it's it's a must watch. Yeah, I'm not really like the the biggest true crime aficionado, but I think um, the the creepy pasta elements are very interesting to me. Yeah, and they do like the the filmmakers do a really good job of sort of. Um, as I said, setting the scene of, you know, what are creepypastas? Who is Slenderman? Like, if you somehow were out of the zeitgeist and never heard of him, it, it's a really nice primer for, like, just that whole um, creepypasta thing and, and um, as a whole. But, um, yeah, it, it's really, really good. I, it's, I, I feel like I want to watch rewatch it today. Because it's so good and it's so interesting. Um, it uh, was released in 2017. Um, and, you know, again, it, it has some, like, really interesting sort of um, information about the character itself. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's definitely worth checking out. I love it. Um are there any other uh, creepypastas, uh, figures, or whatnot that y'all have heard that you find interesting? Um, so I kind of like, so it's weird, but I kind of like the video game creepypastas. Hmm. Where, like, the game is haunted, or, like, they're, um, like there was a really great Zelda one where um, you're, like, playing the game, but um, there's, like, a drowned boy. Um that's like in the game and uh yeah like or um i don't know i mean there's like the other like really famous ones like jeff the killer which allegedly is not you jeff it's but, not me i, I swear know. and if you say it again uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it puts the creepypasta on the skin or like i really like there's some like some like really good ones about like the um creepy animatronics of like chuck e cheese or like places like that um mm -hmm. that are, like, pretty good like creepy pasta stories so i don't know there's like no character like specific like um oh my god i cannot talk specific characters that i like but um i just sort of like those um like weird one-off creepypastas um yeah one one story that's kind of creepypasta like but that precedes the phenomena but still pretty recent that i really like is the one about that uh classic game that supposedly like appeared in portland in, in 1981 polybius that oh, they only yeah. like made one of and it was addictive and it drove you insane and then like it was discontinued and you could never find it again. I love stories with that format. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good one. I like, um, 
that like yeah i get i totally get what you're saying where it's like again it's sort of like what um y'all were saying earlier about like how it's sort of like you know it could be like any town it could be happen anywhere um and um like with polybius it's kind of interesting because i mean it's not that far-fetched because you know little thing called mk ultra um which i'm sure everybody kind of knows what that is by now but like it was um like a classified sort of um like mind control technique that the cia was doing Mm -hmm. um like not super above board um and actually like you know there was like one surviving document um that wasn't destroyed and that's the only reason why we know about that um so yeah it kind of feeds into something that is very plausible um which i think is what makes the best like urban legend or like creepypasta mm-hmm. yeah that they're like kind of uh adaptable and 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 they're they're this interesting hybrid of general and specific there's like enough specific detail to make them viable or feel yeah. viable but they're general enough that it could happen to literally anyone at any time yeah like you know my cousin's boyfriend's babysitter's you know second cousin <laughs> Oh yeah, I heard about them from my my uncle's friend's uh, second son's school teacher. <laughs> um, yeah, like, um, yeah, I'm trying to think like some other really good ones. I know that like it pains my heart that Channel Zero is not on anymore. Me too. It was yeah. so great. Um, like, do y'all have like a favorite season? I know there's only four seasons, um, so it's not like a lot to choose from. But I actually, I, I still think for me, Candle Cove was was my favorite. That one was great. Um, uh, probably my favorite as a as a season as a whole. Um, because I feel like we all have those childhood memories of those weird children shows that they tried, but then like went off the air after three episodes, you know, and we can't quite name them anymore, but they're still in the back of our brain as something we know happened. Um, and then only we saw them because it's like a stupid regional thing. It's perfect. It's a great story. Um, my favorite, like uh, tied for my favorite is the one though with uh, like Pretzel Jack. Do you remember yeah. that one? Um, like the dream door? Yeah. I really dug that one because it was like, you know, we all have these like childhood memories and then like it manifesting in your house and being real. And it uh, has more than one entity and a nice little twist in it. It's a uh... plus the way that dude moves, that, that performer moves is freaky and I love it. Yeah, I would have to say it's maybe it's high between. Um candle cove and no end house but i do um really like the dream door too um i don't know if there was like any that like really um were bad um there was some that maybe were a little bit more consistent throughout the entire season Um, agreed but uh i mean gosh that's that's like kind of like every show now though (laughs) yeah well i I think it also is such as a territory with adapting creepypastas because like 
I, I don't know if the vast majority of these creepypasta stories were written by uh, people who also, you know, work in the written word. Like maybe these are stories that they wrote when they were procrastinating from other things, or uh, if this is someone coming up with a story and uh, getting it as polished as they can um, for the format that they're choosing to just put out on the internet. But even then, they're putting it out on like message boards, uh, forums, not necessarily like, you know, your your New York Times short stories or, um, I mean, not New York Times, uh, like your New Yorker short stories or like any other like weird tale, science fiction, horror stories. So like there's there's definitely like a strange uh, accessibility to them where uh, it feels like anyone can write these uh, these types of creepypastas as long as someone has uh, like a specific um, maybe ineffable fear or um, something that they've always just thought about in the back of their minds and just want to test the waters and see how applicable it is, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. A really... Oh, sorry. No, no, no. You can go ahead, Mike. There's a really good one, and I'm, I was trying to look up the title, but it's sort of like this kid has this imaginary friend, and, like, the imaginary friend, like, keeps trying to, like, have this kid, like, do all these dangerous things, and, like... He wants to, like, take him to this, like, place, and, like, long story short, the kid, like, always somehow never, like, does these stunts with this uh, imaginary friend, but the place he wanted to take him ended up being a cemetery. Mm. That was kind of the twist at the end. And, um, oh my gosh, like, there's, again, there's a YouTube channel where, like, they have some amazing voice actors that, like, sort of act these characters out, and it is creepy as fuck. <laughs> like i i love stuff like that like i'm trying to like find like the um actual like youtube channel that is really good has some like really good um like creepypasta content um but i mean i know that like these like um that stuff on youtube used to be so popular i mean i guess it maybe still is but i mean i remember like back maybe five or six years ago like these were getting like millions of views um <laughs> like i think mr creepypasta is like maybe one of the most famous ones on youtube um but yeah like um if if you want like a really awesome like thing to do like like put one of those on and like you know like in the complete dark and it's yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the, the like creepypasta are literally built to be like passed along, and I mean, probably ideally read, you know, at night at two a.m. in your room in the dark alone. You know. Yeah. So the one the one channel is Creepy's McPasta, and it has two point six million subscribers. Okay. And the last upload was like uh, a day ago, so they're like very current. And oh, actually, it says they upload every a new um, thing every day. So 
that's kind of awesome um obviously not sponsored but um like check that out because i i think that that's um again like you were saying it's sort of uh, um a very appropriate sort of um a way of appropriate um like recontextualizing these stories um like internet stories like on the internet like being read on the internet yeah yeah i feel like um uh there's a story that i read about this um monster podcast that seems like a normal podcast but when you listen to it it starts to the more you listen to it it erodes the veil between worlds and basically makes you a tasty treat for all sorts of things beyond human comprehension uh i don't remember the name of the show though but i definitely think if you find it you should listen to it i hear it was canceled so it might be hard to find absolutely um and if you if you really look at literally the right time of day you might still be able to find you know audio clippings of it in the void yeah i hear there's a a co-host that's just way too sexy to even be on the air absolutely um that right said fred song i'm too sexy was actually very prescient and written about that uh mythic co-host in mind see it makes me sad that there's probably like young listeners that are like what's that uh it's like polybius it exists and never exists about it anymore um i'm just old and my joints hurt and that's why i know all stuff um like right said fred (laughs) yeah i mean he said he was too sexy it hurts so you know does a little turn on the catwalk (laughs) well okay so i i feel like we really kind of did uh we talked about how this kind of connects to the larger tradition of storytelling and a lot of the common traits and why they land so much, I think. Uh, is there anything else that, that really jumped out at y'all that we haven't discussed yet? It's okay if the answer is no, because we went pretty wide-ranging pretty organically. Yeah, I mean, we kind of like deep-dived into a lot of, of the kind of specifics of it. Um I don't know. I just think it's really fascinating that, um, you know, it, it, it's very, I will say like, personally, it was, um, like when I, I think I came to creepypastas maybe a little bit later, um, maybe like 2010, 2011, but, um, it's such a fun sort of rabbit hole to get into, especially if you love like horror fiction. Um, it's, really i mean it kind of sparked my imagination for like writing my own fiction um and uh i think that's kind of one of the cool things about creepypastas i mean like obviously you have the um negative side like what happened with slenderman but like i feel like the vast majority of it is fun creepy stories that um kind of makes you want to write your own or or you know, come up with your own characters or something. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I was really like looking forward to this uh, episode because I think it is such a fun, um, like, 
avenue to go down and yeah so um that's all i got to add i guess <laughs> no totally i i just love like how um i just love how like our our ability to narrate and make meaning and create mythoses and stuff is, is so integral to our species that you know you invent the internet and it it evolves into its own form there you know like it doesn't matter what the technology is or whatever it's something we're always gonna do like we're always going to be like coming up with or discovering cool beasties and i fucking love it yeah i mean it really is like digital campfire stories um which i think is really cool and um again it's kind of interesting how you know you can take maybe somewhat real life applications and sort of like recontextualize it into sort of like a um creepypasta um which i think is is a pretty interesting and sort of healthy way of how we deal with stuff that is hard to comprehend. Um, stuff that um, is really horrific and tragic. Um, I feel like it's maybe therapeutic even to sort of like try to put that in a box that maybe makes sense. Um, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of a, a, maybe a big uh, role that creepypastas serve is just to, you know, help us sort of like understand things that are, are you know, hard to fathom. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, I do think that they kind of like both of you talked about really can touch on some of our more... I don't know, instinctual fears with, you know, the vulnerability of children and uh, things that look so close to the stuff and the people that we know and just far enough to be off, you know, um, that are hardwired into our literal core instincts to be just off. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's so funny because like I was uh, I was talking to somebody the other day about creepypastas. It was kind of unrelated, and I'm I'm um, like trying to think, feel like how we even got on this subject. But it's 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 really like how um, you know it's it's easier to confront things that are so like horrific like that when you sort of put it in something that maybe um, makes it a little, more, little bit more like how palatable um yeah and i think that's definitely like like i said one way it serves a, a pretty good purpose um and plus they're just damn entertaining like it's like like i said i i'm so nostalgic for the days when i would like just go down this rabbit hole like reading creepypastas and then like like later um listening to them on youtube um, yeah I think that's super cool. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I feel like we kind of really touched base on it. And, and this is a topic too that we, because there are other creepypastas and so many other really, I mean, we could just do an episode on the cool beasties of, of Channel Zero because the tooth child still in my nightmares. Um, yeah. What the hell? Uh, 
so I feel like there's still a lot that we can touch base on this topic too if we um, if we aim to, you know, as, as long as the internet still keeps being a thing. I mean, I would be down for like a whole Channel Zero series uh, retrospective. Me too. Maybe that's something. Maybe we could do that type of thing on Patreon. Like, yeah, that's a good idea. do some like individual episode, like Beasties, like start with Channel Zero, and then we can, um, you know, maybe move on to other things. Like, like us, I'd love to do like a Swamp Thing episode. Um, there's all sorts of cool things we might not necessarily do a full episode around, but we could visit it there. I feel like we need to write our own creepypasta about the podcast. Uh, seriously, I almost was doing it while we were talking about it because I think it's such a good idea. But this we got to edit out because people need to think it's real. (laughs) We're making myths, baby. (laughs) Maybe this is just a clever sort of like taking you, like, you know, getting you off the, the, the trail. Yeah, exactly. This is definitely not some, I mean, definitely if this happens, um, it's something people just came up with. It's absolutely not like an actual like element of the nature of reality that is horrific beyond comprehension that you should be afraid of. Um, You should absolutely take it lightly and then listen to it late at night. And um, Jeff will definitely not crawl out of your screen. Um. (laughs) If you see like a beard start to emerge from your monitor, that's me. Yeah, it's just beard. It's like beard first. (laughs) <laughs> it's beard first 100 percent um because you know what hair first has been done i have to have a calling card there you go <laughs> all right well um first of all folks at home thank you so much for stopping by and and uh letting us yak about besuited beasties in the middle of the forest uh and all the internet haunts that you don't want to read alone in your bed in a dark room at 3 a.m. And uh, illustrious co-host, thank you once again for stopping by and making this show smart. Hell yeah, it was fun. Um, It's always always fun getting to chat monsters with you fine folks. Um, uh, Mike, tell the folks at home where they can find you. Okay, so you can find me um, on uh, Twitter at Strange Cinema sixty five, and um, I also have a book called The Ultimate Guide to Strange Cinema, which you can find on Amazon. And um, I also now have a show on Geek Vibes Nation uh, on YouTube um, called Return of the Living Geeks. Um, so just go to YouTube and type that in, or go to Geek geek vibes podcast on youtube and you can check that out um i have that show and i also have the video attic where i talk about home video releases and absolutely return of the living geeks might also have a familiar um spectral presence if you will in andre Mm-hmm. He may or may not be here in corporeal form. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good segue. Um, unlike uh, all the bad segues that you step on and never return from, um, that's a great segue. Andre, tell the folks at home what you've been up to. Uh, I'm always Twittering at 
my my handle Demoni Disco. Uh, you can find me there, or um, writing from time to time for Geek Vibes Nation, doing film reviews. Uh, I tend to lean towards horror, but you never know. I might do something else. Um, I am also doing some episodes with Mike uh, on his Return to Living Geeks. Uh, we've got some some good stuff there, so you should check it out on YouTube. Um, uh, God, what else am I doing? Yeah, I, I guess I'm. There's some stuff on on Medium, uh, celluloidconsomme.medium.com. I do some other like film blogs. Uh, I yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> Stellar. Um, well, as always, thank you you both for being on here. It's uh, uh, always a pleasure, and we're we're so happy to have you. Um, our next episode, folks at home, uh, we are going to have a, a special guest come by and talk werewolves with, um, I think all of us, I think we're all going to be on that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, cause the we all just love werewolves. Why and the where of the wolves. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, I don't know if we're going to get to be, to discussing why wolves. Um, but, but you never know. Uh, Let's see. And yeah, folks at home, you know, thank you so much for, for stopping by and supporting the show. Uh, you'll have some updates very soon about our Patreon, which just launched, and I just have to promote it. And you can find me. Uh, I've been reviewing up a storm at Forbes. I have a lot more in the books. Um, I've been writing down at Slash Film, uh, which is a, just a great site all around um looper as well mike you're 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 doing the looper um as one of your many hats you wear uh let's see what else i'm also doing an after show on severance like i mentioned so check that out down at the hollywood critics association and i'm gonna be uh doing some oscars coverage which is fun and i'm doing this and monster stuff so try and hit everything from power of the dog to creepypastas very well-rounded existence. Um, uh, yeah. So folks at home, thank you so much for spending some monstrous time with us and uh, have yourself a good one. And, you know, just to remind you one last time, if you see someone in a business suit, run. Or if you see a beard coming out of your screen, run. <laughs> then leave coffee. If you see a beard, <laughs> leave coffee. It's like Santa, only coffee for oh, okay. me. That's part of your mythos. If you if you appease him with coffee, it will be fine. Yeah, not decaf. Never decaf. Oh god, yeah. You would kill him faster. That's that's yeah, that's insulting, honestly. Like Andre and I both Washingtonians, uh and uh I mean I live in LA now, but but that's where I grew up and ooh, that's blasphemy. <laughs> Some dirt water. <laughs> okay. Uh, everyone, folks at home. Have a wonderful, very safe, very Slenderman-free day. Once more, I'd like to extend a special thanks to our guests this episode and to all of you out there listening. From the dawn of record human civilization, we've been fascinated by monsters and the monstrous. They've inhabited our dreams and nightmares. They've been our protectors and our villains. They've symbolized our fears and vices, our hopes and potential. Fears of creatures and the night that nourishes them were key inspirations and fuel for the rise of human civilization. The need to get out of the shadows, behind the walls, and into the light. In many ways, understanding our monsters is an important part of understanding our world and ourselves. So thank you for taking this journey with us, we humanoids from the deep dive. (laughs) 